Hey, Zach, you got a hand for me? I do. Another one from that two-day Maryland Live session. Love that place. All right, let's hear it. So the sessions from the previous episodes were on my first night there. This is from the second day, probably around 5 p.m. It's a Wednesday. Uh, I'm at a table seven-handed. I've been playing here for about two hours, and I have a pretty wild and loose aggressive image, even a little bit more so than normal. I just been catching a lot of cards, but unfortunately not getting called, so don't have a huge stack. I'm thinking about 1,200 deep. And in this hand, I'm in the straddle. We're doing a round of straddles, and we have like one kind of typical recreational player with about 400 behind, limps in early position, and then we have a guy who, it's hard for me to tell, he's in his like probably late 20s, definitely kind of looks and acts like a professional, uh, but he got really tilted in one pot when a guy sucked out on him with a gut shot, and given his reaction, it's unclear to me, that made me doubt whether he's a pro or not, he still could be a pro, but that's really the only reads I have in him, besides that playing like pretty solid poker, tight aggressive strategy, but hasn't really played back at me, um, even though I've been being very active pre-flop, and he kind of looks at me and doesn't really, you know, doesn't really, hasn't four-bet me once when I've three-bet him in position. He's two to my right, and hasn't, you know, defended light out of position when he's limped or when he's, when he's opened. So he over-limps in the cutoff, and I have ace-jack offsuit in the straddle, and we're playing, we're playing a 2-5 game, so it's 10 and 10, and I'm making it 50 here, which is, to me, pretty standard raise and standard sizing. Any, any thoughts on that, Jack? Uh, no, I think that sounds right. So the first player folded, and the second player quickly called. I think when he over-limps here... He's likely doing so because he's not not because he's being tricky because he has a hand that's a weak hand but a hand that he wants to play especially against a recreational player that limps and the guy who first limped seemed to be playing like fairly weak tight so he didn't want to necessarily blow him off the pot or have to fold to a three bet um, so I think he's doing this with you know a range of suited connectors suited aces and some of his worst pocket pairs. Uh, probably not any two-to-one gappers besides Broadway's. What do, what do you think about that? What, what position is he again? He's in the cutoff. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I think his range is, yeah, it's probably pretty much what you said. Uh, and, and I would guess actually pretty weak based on his position and his age. It's hard to know, you know, if, if a recreation, you know, we, we haven't determined if this is a recreational player or not. But whether whether this is a recreational player or just sort of an average to not below average pro, it's hard to know what pocket pairs you know they're going to open. You know, there's someone who wants to limp sevens to keep the pot small. I think those kinds of questions are, are hard to answer uh, before you've seen enough. But I, I agree that the general construction of the range sounds correct to me. Yeah, it's tough. I think I think I have a very aggressive image at this point. So I think he's maybe thinking that I'm going to raise a very high percentage of my straddles, which might factor into him maybe playing a little bit more passive preflop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that could definitely be true. 
Do you think that would cause him to have a hand like 10-9 suited, uh, jack-10 suited? It really depends, you know, because, like, even a below-average professional is probably not limping 9-10 suited there. I would guess yeah. with someone who's just 400 deep in an active straddle where even if I make it 15, the other guy calls, it's just like, it's a, it's a pretty losing call from him there, even in position with the stack depth. Uh, he is about 700 behind. Uh, but it's really hard to say. I mean, there's also a lot of, especially younger players, like, you know, very good, tight, aggressive recreational players who are break-even or even profitable, you know? So I, I really don't know how kind of weak he's going to go with, like, his suited aces and his suited connectors. Yeah. And that that plays a lot later into the hand, you know, because if, if he goes pretty wide, then it's, you know, we'll see based on the flop, he might have many, many draws in his range, and if he's a little bit tighter, then he might he might have more, uh, might have better hands. So the flop is jack 6-4 with two spades, and I'm holding the ace of spades. Uh, I don't really see an option here besides betting for value, and I've been going with larger sizings just generally at this table, and I have a fairly aggressive image, so I think I should definitely size on the larger side. Uh... So I'm kind of betting here with the most I can get away with without, you know, revealing the strength of my hand and that I'm value betting. So I think because this is a fairly competent player, I can't go too big. Uh, so I, I was thinking around two-thirds, three-quarters pot, and I, I make it 80 here into to 110. Yeah, I agree. I think the bet and the sizing both makes sense. Um, still, I think it's probably a good exercise to consider... Uh, what part of Villain's range he's uh, likely to continue with. So we've sort of broken down uh, his range into a couple categories. As far as pocket pairs, probably be continuing, certainly with fours and sixes, he might even raise you on the flop. Mm-hmm. Uh, fives, I would say he'll continue. Sevens, eights, if he plays them. Threes and twos are less certain. I could see him folding could see him calling. It could go either way, I'd say. In terms of suited connectors he's playing, it really depends. I mean, if he's playing with connectors, then he'll end up with some straight draws, some pair and draws. But if he's not the kind of player who would limp, you know, a 7-6 suited, then he's not going to have very much in terms uh, that connects with that range or that lower end of the flop. He might have some jacks if he's playing suited Broadway hands that, or if he's limping queen-jack Jack 10. I think he definitely has all those suited combos in, in his range. I think he's raising them some percent of the time, but he could conceivably have, you know, most of those combos. King Jack as well. Probably not Ace Jack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And so there, I mean, and that means he has plenty of pair and draw combos as well uh, with, you know, the Jack of Spades and some other Broadway Spade. Mm-hmm. Uh, and do you think he's at all likely to raise the flop with those hands? With his uh, top pair hands? His top pair with a flush draw hands? Seems unlikely. Yeah. I, mean, I wouldn't. I, I think it's unlikely against, like, you know, at the bare minimum, a pretty competent player, and at best, like, you know, a good pro who just tilted during one hand. So I, I think the hands he's likely to raise here uh, are his spade draws and his sets. I don't think he shows up with, you know, 7-5 or 5-3 ever. And the question is, how, what percentage of the time would he raise his spade draws? Because I, I, I think if 
if he perceives me as a really aggressive player, he might think he has less fold equity with a spade draw. Or given that I'm really aggressive, he might think he has more fold equity. He might also correctly give me some credit and think that, you know, I'm likely see betting this flop a ton. And he might just call with the spade draws almost as somewhat of a float too to not just hit his spades, but, you know, plan to, to bet two and check two on the turn. Or, or raise any bet on the turn with a spade draw. I know I would take that line against a lot of players, so. Yeah, I think that seems likely. I mean, we know he doesn't have any nut flush draws. Yeah. Um, so I think that that definitely makes acting as aggressively on the flop less likely. I think a lot of players, uh, especially of that description, would opt to call behind, yeah, and then bet if check to and sort of evaluate if bet to. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think I could pretty safely fold to a raise on the flop. Well. Right? I mean, like, we... It, it's sort of a... It's sort of, we think it's unlikely he'll raise those hands, but once there is a raise, it sort of becomes more likely that he did raise one of those hands. Oh, yeah, I see. And you, you I, I think it's correct to think about it like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just because, you know, if we, if we, if we think he's never raising those hands, then then we can definitely fold to a raise. But even if we think it's unlikely he's raising those hands, once we see a raise, I think you have to consider it more likely that he would have raised those hands. Yeah, it'd be pretty exploitable to fold, you know, top pair, top kicker on that board. Especially with the backdoor draw. Yeah. So, I mean, there's only... Yeah, there's only six set combos there. So he only... He only has to be raising with spades a very small percent of the time, actually, for, for that to be a call. So, yeah, that that... We're likely calling most raises on the flop and then probably check evaluating the turn mm-hmm. if raised. But results, we were not raised. We were called fairly quickly with no real type of physical tells or speed tells from this guy. Turns an offsuit 10, and I thought about this for a little bit in-game, and at first it seems like a pretty straightforward spot to bet to continue to get value from draws from... Worst pocket pairs and from jacks. But then I opted to check, basically thinking that even though I'm giving him a free card with his spade draws, it'd be a lot more likely for me to get value from his worst jacks and his under pairs on the river when I check. And I also thought that a player like this is almost always betting when check two with a spade draw and potentially raising, so I thought check calling the turn if 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 he bets would be more profitable than than bet uh bet calling in that spot. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is a spot where both options are pretty good. So I guess one of the one of the questions here is, do you think you could ever get two streets of value from a hand like Queen Jack or King Jack? 100%. I think the hands that are that, m- more on the margins here are his worst pocket pairs and then not wanting to be raised on the turn by his spade draws. Like, I think... His worst pocket pairs, like 7s, 8s, 5s, are going to fold the turn here when I bet, even if it's for like a half potish amount. And I think his spade draws, I just don't know enough, enough about the player if he's going to raise the turn as a semi-bluff. And I think it, it makes it, just with that unknown information, it makes it difficult to, to bet call the turn there. So I, I think by by checking, I can get more value from his worst pocket pairs. And then in some ways get more value from his spade draws, uh, turning my hand into a bluff catcher 
Uh, but I think a hand like Queen Jack is, you know, 100% calling the turn here with the way I've been playing and how this player perceives me. Well, I then I think that it's a bet. First of all, what are you worried about getting raised by here on the turn? I mean, Jack Ten would be bad. I mean, it's 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 Jack Ten, and I just don't know enough about this player to know if he's gonna, you know, slow play a set on a, you know, semi wet board, and I don't know if he's gonna semi bluff either. So with, without without knowing those things, my my inclination is that he's likely to, when he raises the turn here, be raising for value because very few people semi-bluff on the turn as a bluff. Mm-hmm. I think this guy could be capable of it, given what I've observed in two hours, but again, it's just un- it's, un- it's all unclear. Okay. Here, here's sort of a way to think about this. If we bet and get raised, either he's the player, he's a, he's a player who would never semi-bluff, uh, or very seldomly semi-bluff, meaning that he pretty much exclusively has jack-10 or a handful of sixes or fours that he slow played. Mm-hmm. Um, or when he raises, he is potentially semi-bluffing, and then he has some of those hands, and also uh, about his, let's think, how many combos of bluffs compared. Definitely enough combos to make it profitable to call down, probably. Probably, depending on, unless it's a, you know, he goes all in, and then yeah, it's it's closer, but that seems unlikely. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I think that there are, I think he already has raised a lot of his sixes and fours, and I think that we're probably missing a street of value from his jack hands by not betting. Yeah, and also his, I don't know that his pocket pairs are more likely to call you on the river after checking behind to to check the turn and then bet the river after being checked back to it seems like pot control and i feel like if you're holding fives there you're you're unhappy about seeing someone pot controlling yeah yeah i guess especially with with how he perceives me that might actually even look stronger to him yeah and uh i i don't see if this player is not going to semi bluff then i definitely don't see see him turning fives into a bluff here that we can comfortably check call I don't think he turned fives into a bluff. I think he checked back with a hand like that, but I think he bet all of his spades when checked too. But I don't think he necessarily semi-bluff raised them on the turn, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, the other thing to consider is that probably at this point, a lot of his flush draws have a pair. I think it, that makes it less likely that he'll semi-bluff. Oh, yeah. Um, That's true. Yeah. Because, yeah, the 10 and the jack both don't have any spades in them. So all of his queen 10, king 10, jack 10 combos are all, are all still there. 10-9 if he's playing that. Yeah. Uh, one hand that might be raising you is, uh, well, one king queen of spades if he would limp that, but I, I think he would probably open that. Yeah, I think he'd open that too. And if, he's, if you think he would uh, limp 8-9... Uh, mm. spades. And that's a hand that he'll probably be getting raised by. Yeah. But I, I don't think he's limping. Yeah, he's maybe limping that, let's say, 50% of the time, and that's only one combo, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's, pro- it's probably it's probably a value bet in the end, now that I'm thinking about it. 
mainly for the fact that, like, the, the reason I check was under the assumption that I can get more value from his, like, weaker one pair hands on the river. But I think against a player like this, he's going to read a second barrel on the turn as much weaker than checking the turn and betting the river on a blank. Uh, so I think it's definitely a bet. So now it's just a question of sizing. Because you want to bet enough that you're, we're not giving him, like, you know, direct odds or very good implied odds with a flush draw. But I still want to be able to value target his his sevens and eights and not have any possibility of his folding of him folding any jacks. Yeah. So nine so nine outs with a flush draw, let's say eleven outs because a lot of his flush draws also have no card. Mm-hmm. Um, or a pair for two or pair. A pair. Yeah. So yeah, so probably let's say twelve outs on his average drawing hand. Or eleven or twelve outs. So you just you need to give him worse than three to one. So bet more than half pot. So I think, you know, like a sixty percent pot bet, sixty five percent pot is yeah. probably a good size in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think he's folding any jacks there. And I do and I do think he calls with some percentage of sevens and eights. So yeah, something like a hundred sixty, hundred seventy dollar bet and a two seventy. Yeah, I think a hundred sixty sounds good. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I'll make note of that next time, but I checked. <laughs> and he thought for a while and checked back. So the river was an offsuit three, pretty much a total blank. We have 270 in the pot, and, you know, with my previous thinking, this is kind of the ideal scenario. We have a blank. So what sizing are we going for here, given the check, check on the turn, and the blank on the river? Well, the check back on the turn, do you read that as... You know, him not having a draw, him having sort of a marginal jack or 10. Maybe maybe like a flush draw with a 10 is a hand that would check back. Yeah, um, I'm, I think I'm pretty much still value targeting the same range on the river that we were talking about on the turn. With the exception, yeah, except, you know, not his flush draws anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering if, well, I guess I'm wondering if any of his jacks, are going to be betting on the turn, betting for value. I think it's tough, you know, again, with just not knowing enough about this player. I think sometimes he is and sometimes he isn't. Uh, I know I would probably bet a jack on the turn there, probably for about half pot or something. Yeah, it's close. You know, you I'd could, probably bet. Yeah. Oh, go and ahead. I was going to say, you can really see a player like this going either way there. You could see him, like, kind of pot controlling to call any river bet from an aggressive player besides maybe a spade. Or you can see him, you know, betting for equity protection to get value for my draws, for my worst pairs, my overcards. Yeah. yeah I think you have a lot of overcards. Yeah, I mean, all my uh, ace-king, ace-queen, king-queen, king, all right. offsuit combos. So all that is stuff that you definitely want to charge with the bet. I mean, that, if I was holding, let's say, queen ten of clubs, or not clubs, spades here, I don't know if I ever would be, but... I would definitely be thinking about that part of your range and wanting to bet into that. Not thinking that you would be likely to check a jack on the turn, even though you did. Yeah. So I think that we, I would say probably size a little bit smaller. Uh, mm. Thinking that probably one of the strongest hands you're looking to get a call from would be like queen jack, king ten, Queen ten, and then some sevens, some fives. Uh, you know, because because eights kind of seems unlikely to me. 
Nines definitely seems out of the question. I think this player is opening nines from the cutoff. Mm-hmm. So I would probably bet half pot. Mm-hmm. And you could, I think the, the only reason to bet more than that is if you think that betting half pot looks very weak, or sorry, very strong. Yeah, I actually, I kind of took a different approach on the river with this villain. I ended up betting 420. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I, I did an overbet just thinking that when when he checks back the turn, I think he has some of his spades there, but I do think this type of player is betting most of them. So I think he has a small amount of his spades. Likely, like you said, his spades with a 10, maybe his spades with a jack, but again, those are he still might bet those. But I thought that I could really get a hero call sometimes, even with a hand like 7s, uh, but definitely with all of his jacks there and some of his tens, and that if I make an overbet, given how he perceives me and how he's seen me be fairly aggressive, and the fact that he kind of freaked out a little bit after a hand an hour ago when he got sucked out on, I thought that even if he only calls the overbet here, like thirty percent of the time, that's still way more profitable than if he calls my half pot bet, uh, like sixty seventy percent of the time. So I, I went for it. Yeah. I I kind of like that. It's not what I would have first thought of, but I think that... Well, I mean, part of it is that I think that we're sort of... Unless we are really misjudging the way this guy is playing, the only thing in his range that I could see possibly beating us is threes. Uh, and I don't even think he calls threes on the flop very often. Yeah. I don't think he thinks about threes on the turn as long as he does that often. He might, if he's considering turning into a bluff. But that's really the only hand I can think of that we are losing to here. So the fact that we've so underwrecked our hand, I, I do like the concept of overbluffing here. And I, I actually, thinking back onto your description of the player, the fact that he's tilted, younger, perhaps thinking, I do think that this is probably a better sizing. So, so did he call? He did, and yeah, um, and he looked at he looked at his hand again, you know, did the double check even though he knew he wasn't good, looked really angry and folded. And I'm guessing he probably had like a king jack queen jack type hand, based on his reaction, which is kind of the top of his range in that spot. Yeah. So. You know, I, I didn't I didn't bring this hand in as a brag. Like I'm I'm not completely sold on whether the overbet was good. You know, I happened to likely at the top of his range. And I still likely think the turn was a mistake, even though like result oriented wise, it, it got me likely paid more than I would have if I bet bet bet. Mm-hmm. Well, not not a whole lot more. Uh... yeah. If I bet an appropriate sizing on the turn and then you know, bet two, three hundred on the river, I could have gotten a little bit less same or maybe even more. Yeah. I think you probably could have got more from King Jack, uh, but a, a smaller chance of being hero called with a hand like sevens. Although I, I'm not, I'm not certain that sevens is to call you that much in this spot. No, I don't, I don't think so. I, I think I'm, I'm really, when I make this big over bet, I'm hoping he calls a good percentage of the time with his jacks, maybe like 50, 60%, and then maybe like 30, 40% with tens and, even less with sevens, is what I'm hoping for. And that I think his percentages for calling a half-pot bet aren't that much greater. You know, maybe it's like all tens and jacks, but 
Yeah, given that I'm, I'm making a bet that's almost four times as much as that, it works out. Yes. This really makes me think because, you know, if you can't, if you're confident about getting an overbet like this called, if uh, a turn checks back and a blank comes, then that's a, you know, much more of a reason to check the turn uh, than we had discussed when we were actually talking about the turn. Of course, but we also, he happened to be at the top of his range here, and even, he might think that, we yeah, we don't know. Yeah. But then checking, I still think against, like, most players with what I know, I think you're probably right in that checking the turn and then betting, betting the river does look stronger. Like, if he had, let's say, queen-jack or king-jack, and he hero-called this bet, I likely could have bet 160 on the turn and shoved the river on the blank and gotten looked up and got yeah. more value. You know, it's it's I, I, I did win a large pot here, but I probably still, you know, left a few hundred dollars on the table in this hand. Yeah, I think you're right, just because thinking back on the fact that I, I do think that he's betting a lot of his Jackson 10s uh, on the turn that you really can't expect most players to show up with that many hands on the river that could call an overbet. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's a question of, you know, how many of those Jackson tens does he have and what percentage of time does he bet them? Mm. A numbers game. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad it worked out. Thank you. All right. Well played as always. <laughs> and, uh... I'll touch base again next week. Sounds good, but real quick, how did uh, your Vegas trip go? How did it turn out for you? Oh, it, it went really well. I uh, I had like five or six winning sessions in a row, and then I ended the trip on a down note where I actually earned myself the nickname Mr. Bluffer, <laughs> which kind of uh, gives me an idea of how my session went. Uh, but overall, it was a great trip. I met some uh, really interesting people and just had a great time. Awesome. Well, thanks for tuning in to the Just Hands Poker podcast. Uh, you could find us on Facebook and Twitter at Just Hands Poker. And uh, we hope you tune in <laughs> next week. <laughs> <laughs>